Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. This is Brother Frank, back with another episode on The Remnant Call, and just glad to have you all here with me tonight. You know, God is so good, and I'll tell you right now, folks, um, this year has been a very trying year for me. Um, In the beginning of this year, I took over a company, uh, running this company, um, something that I had never done before in my life. I've been in the field um, that I've been in for years um, running uh, IT, I've been directors, stuff like that, I did computer systems. Uh, it's funny because I grew up on a farm. Um, but I this year I was offered the position to take over a company. And I'm going to tell you, when I, when I came into the company at the beginning of the year, we had lost a lot. Um, largest customer gone, huge deficit. At one point, my wife looked at me and said, you're going to have a heart attack. Um, Because it was the first time I had ever had to really, really worry, not only about my family, but also worry about those who work for me and their families. It's been the hardest year. I, well, okay, 2011, when we lost my my favorite grandfather, my favorite aunt, my mentor in the missionary field, my mentor uh in um as a patent pastoral my uh my my favorite pastor and his wife ever and then on top of that we lost a baby to miscarriage i would say that probably is actually the worst year but this has been the worst year in stress work i've ever had but i would like to say that god is faithful and it ended up better than i could have ever imagined Now, why am I bringing that up? Well, two instances I've had over the last year. Um, One was where I attend and worship, and I don't reveal where that is because I don't need to be labeled with anything. And if you think you understand what I believe, you probably have no idea. I tend to not follow any church's dogma. I follow what the Lord says, but I don't have to agree 100% with someone just to fellowship. Okay? That's where I differ from some people. If you believe that Jesus Christ was, uh, you know, born of a virgin, suffered and died for our sins, and paid the price, he was the propitiation for our Heavenly Father to clear our debt, and he was raised again after three days, you know, then, then I can probably fellowship with you. We might have some differences, but but we're on the same team. But both instances, I started looking back and saying, where is the turning point? What made that difference? What changed 
that began to help things start going in a better direction. Well, I probably went through the most traumatic at the same time as stress from work, church experience, and many of you probably know what I'm talking about, that I've, were just unrelenting attacks. Um, Todd, he used to be uh, on the show with me often, but he, he works too much now. He's still my good friend. He, we were both, and many others, uh, having some serious attacks. It was uh, terrible. And it, was, it, was, it just seemed so dark, but we got through it. We, we stood our ground. And God was faithful, and I remember at the church, we made a conscious decision. You know what? We're going to put Yeshua, we're going to put Jesus back on the throne where he belongs, and we will no longer be dependent upon any pastor, any man, any woman, anybody. We will be dependent upon the Lord. And I look back, and that's when things started to change. And in my work, we made a conscious decision with the owner of the company, who doesn't actually run it, but he, he's a he's very amazing giving man. He came up with something that was a burden on my heart, but he actually tested me farther than I was willing to go. He said, we need to give back what's God's. And I agree wholeheartedly. We need to as a company. But he stretched me to give a little bit more than even what the word calls for. And at first I was a little hesitant, but finally we did. You know, and, and I look back now and I say, you know what? I believe that was turning point when I began to trust God than, more than I trusted myself. And I saw things start to change. And I was not, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was uh, hesitant. I, I was like, wow, that's a little more than I, you know, than I, I think we should do. I'm more like of the tie of the tenth, and but he was like, you know what, we're going to give X, and I was like, and I started thinking to myself, Frank, who do you, t- who do you trust? Do you trust God, or do you trust flesh? And I relented, and I did, and you know what, God has been more faithful to helping us dig out of something that I could not dig us out of. But by trusting in him, he was able to do that which we could not and turn things around in a powerful way. I thank God, and I want to say, Lord, thank you. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, thank you for the blessings that you've given. I do not deserve them, but I receive them gratefully. And help me to always be careful to give you the praise. Let's pray. Father, in Yeshua's powerful name, we ask that you would bless this program tonight. That as I share my heart, Lord, that I would be sharing yours also. That, Lord, that the things that I speak tonight, Lord, that you would infuse them with the power of your spirit. That they would come through to the audience, Lord, clearly. And the people would know that tonight they can trust in the Almighty and they can let go of the cares of this world. It's my prayer in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, you saw the title of the program, Breaking the Chains of Sin. Uh, we've had some great shows on the Remnant Call lately. If you didn't catch, out, uh, catch Ephesians last week, Brother Benjamin, powerful program. Brother Benjamin really does anything but a powerful program. Hey, I'm thankful to be friends with him. 
I'm thankful for the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, that the Lord used in 1999 to, to reach a stubborn drug addict such as myself. And um, that was a powerful show. Also, the famine in the land, and many of the, we looked at some of the Demetri Dudeman prophecies. And the warnings that are going on right now, but, but I'm, I'm a, I feel that we need to come back to the basics tonight. Because out of all the warnings and preparedness, like I've said over and over again, they don't do any good if you're not doing anything about your walk with the Lord. If you are a slave to sin, if there is something that you feel that you cannot overcome, that you cannot break. Listen, I, I don't need to go read all the statistics of pornography addictions and everything else. If you've got it, you already know what the problem is. I don't need to run the statistics of all the adultery going on in the world. You already know if you're dealing with that what the problem is, okay? I don't need to tell all the things because those who are listening that are feeling in bondage right now, tonight we're going to deal with this. And if you're not dealing with that, then praise the Lord, you can pray for somebody else. But the information contained in this show hopefully could be something that you could also share with someone else. During World War II, the Nazis had come up with this so-called secret weapon in an attempt to spread the German Empire and the Hitler's theology across the globe. Some of the weapons were great ideas, such as the Schwer Gustav, also known as the Great Gustav. This is the single largest cannon ever built and used in history. Only two were ever built. The second one was called Dora. Designed by Krupp Industries, this heavy railway gun weighed around 1,350 tons and could fire seven-ton shells up to a range of 29 miles. This was truly a terribly frightening weapon with mass destruction capabilities and sure to be an ace in the hole for the Germans. The only problem was the fact that it took over two thousand men to run the gun between laying the specialized track to assembling and disassembling it and moving it and also the fact besides that it took a half an hour just to load that thing but with all the destructive power it was worth it the one thing they had not thought though about was how huge and easy the gun was to see from the sky. And it quickly, and as quickly as they put it up, it was bombed and out of commission and was a huge flop for the German military. But with all these things, their great idea was of no value. People and nations have always been looking, folks, for a secret weapon. Something to win easily to take on any force, no matter how powerful it may be. A secret weapon that was sure to never lose. Unfortunately, it is more often only in the movies that it actually works. Too often, though, many Christians, we are doing the same. Looking for that secret weapon that will help in our spiritual lives. You might know what I'm talking about right now. If we can read the right book or attend the correct conference or pray the same prayer as many times a day as Daniel did, then that secret weapon we'll be looking for will come to, to bear fruit. But many of you have noticed that that rarely, if ever, actually works. See, none of these things are actually bad. They're good ideas. 
praying like Daniel. I mean, that's a great thing to do, folks. Daniel was a wonderful example and a spiritually healthy practice that he did. But it's not a formula of Daniel that grows your life. It is the power of God through his spirit that transforms the individual. See, we too hear that love the radio, internet radio, and, and these shows, you know. We, we love uh, do, you know, looking for these things, for these little bits and tidbits. If somebody's got something on their program that can truly you know, set us free, we go after it. And many times it works sometimes for a moment, but too often it's never long-lasting. You know, the Bible says that, that this battle that we are fighting, it, it is not something that is a, is, is a tangible, something we don't fight with, with physical weapons, but it is a battle that we are fighting spiritually. And God has given us the tools to do battle within the spiritual realm that are for pulling down the strongholds of Satan's kingdom. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, if you've got the word in front of you. I want to look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, Paul is talking about right here, is that the tools that God has given us are so much greater than any conference that you will ever go to, so much more powerful than any book that you will ever read outside the Word of God. They're more powerful than any method somebody can apply to you because within those, that Word and using those weapons, God has all the power that you need to overcome any single thing. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. I want to look what the Word is God is saying right here. When they were therefore come together... They asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sights. So here God declares to his disciples to wait. I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit that when you receive it in its fullness that God intended you will have power to go into the strongest of strongholds of the enemy's kingdoms to share the everlasting gospel and to set the captives free. This is a clear statement that Christians' power comes not from themselves, but only from God. When you hear people talk about, I have an anointing, I've got this special anointing, I've heard it before. Folks, I'm telling you, get away from those people. I don't know anybody in the Word of God that says, I'm the one that possesses that power. It always comes from God. Everything that is strong and everything that is good comes from the Lord. I know... That we hear as people that listen and, and, and part of the remnant call. We see evidence of God's spirit working all the time. We see things in our own lives. But many of us, if not the majority, know this promise and have been desiring it. But it seems like it never fully comes. And that's the promise of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. I mean, let's be honest. Am I right? Some have truly tasted it, but the majority of people 
are struggling just to have a fuller taste of God's power. The ultimate peace that passes all understanding. That power that comes that when you are in the midst of the storm, you know that no matter what is going on, that God has your back, that you can handle it, that there's nothing that can throw you off track, even when the world is coming crumbling down around you. I want to make it clear that God wants nothing less and has made every provision that you need to live the fullness of this life in his spirit through the power of his word by God's grace. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 and starting in verse 14. Let's look at the word of God and it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. So here, imagine this scene. This guy, he's, 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 he's in travail because he's heard about what the Lord could do. Now his disciples are there. He brings his son who is absolutely just overcome and vexed by a foul spirit. And he brings them, and the disciples are absolutely powerless. Yet they have walked with the Lord. They've walked with the Lord. You see, so many times people are often, oh, if I could have just been alive when Jesus was around. If I could have just been here when the Lord, it would be different. If, if the Lord would just tell me, coming down and visit me and show it, straighten me out. Folks, they walked with the Lord and they were still powerless right then. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth out, not, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now I want to dig into this for a second, because we're going to find out the power of prayer and fasting. But miss, this verse is so misunderstood in the Word of God. See, what is believed in this verse, many people, they read that last line, they think that only some sins can only be over, the only way you can cast these devils out is through prayer and fasting. Which is partially true, but it's not actually what the problem is. The reason that the devil won't go out is not because of prayer and fasting right then. The reason they won't, it won't go out, it says, because of your unbelief. Jesus said, if you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible. See, the problem was the, the, they had unbelief. You see, that's many times many people right now that are listening to this program. And I'm telling you, folks, I've been through the same ringer. 
You're stuck. You're trapped. You're, you're, you, you've gotten involved in something, or you're not spending time with your family, or maybe your sin's on the computer, or maybe your sin's with, with um, watching television and stuff that's inappropriate, or maybe it's with you know, adultery or whatever it might be. Maybe it's never getting off your phone. Whatever it might be that's got you so wrapped up that in your mind you've tried to get free, but you can't get free. And now you no longer believe that you can get free because you have not succeeded in it. And you now have lost your belief and it's turned into unbelief. And the problem we're dealing with is unbelief, not prayer and fasting. It's prayer and fasting that helps to strengthen the unbelief. You see what I'm saying? We, it's not that prayer and fasting casts out the devil. It's that prayer and fasting strengthens the unbelief. You see, you, when you lose so many times, when you fail over and over again, when you make a promise to God and you don't keep it, and you start to say, I am so worthless and pathetic, and I have nothing good to offer anymore, then you begin to be so run down, and all you hear is the devil in your ears saying, you'll never overcome, you'll never break free, you'll never have victory. Your unbelief begins to permeate everything within you, and now it begins to dictate the very way you feel and think about God in and it crushes the spirit of the believer. Some of these devils, you're right, are so deeply rooted. Some of our old ways are still lingering around. The old man wants to show his ugly face. And in order to overcome, in order to deliver, in order to have victory over belief, God says, I've got a secret weapon for you. You see, what the Germans tried was no good. It was flesh. What many of these books will tell you that are in the stores, it's flesh. What many of these so-called Christian books, you know, seven ways or five ways to a better year, whatever that absolute garbage is, it's flesh. God says, I've got something for you when you are absolutely trapped in the clutches of of sin because your unbelief is holding you back. We've lost the faith to believe that God can do what he said he can do. You see, sometimes when we don't get instant gratification, because in, this, in the United States, we don't know how to suffer at all. We don't know how to be patient at all. And trust me, I have had to learn some hard lessons in patience, okay? And I'm not always a patient person at all. But when we don't see that instant freedom, that instant setting free, we think that God doesn't love us, and we are immediately downtrodden in our own spirit to where we feel that we are no good and worthless. And how dare you think that you're worthless in the eyes of God? If Christ died for you while you were a sinner, and now you've messed up and you're having an issue and you think he hates you, it's terrible to think of his character like that. He died while you were a sinner. And just because you're struggling now doesn't mean he hates you. He died so that you could have a path back to the Father. That's why he did it, and he understands the battle. But the problem is we let the devil in there to tell us that God doesn't care anymore. You're rotten. 
You've lost your salvation. You're of no value. And that comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. And so the Lord says, you know what? When you're in a bad situation like this, you've got no power. Like the disciples had no power, okay? He says, the only way you're going to get that power back because of your unbelief is through prayer and fasting. You see, if we don't spend time with the Lord, then don't get upset when you don't see victory. Like I said the other week, I heard someone say, uh, if, you, if, if you're upset that the Lord is silent and your Bible is closed, what are you complaining about? If you don't get into the Word of God and you're angry because He's not speaking, then you don't have a leg to stand on. Sometimes the Almighty wants to see, are you going to stick this thing through even when you don't see the victory come right away? Fasting coupled with prayer is a secret weapon that God has given his people. It's a forgotten practice that was once an absolute staple of the Christian walk. Contrary to modern belief, fasting is not just an option. It is a weapon, and Jesus even said it in his word, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Fasting is not an option plan. It is a part of the believer's walk with the Lord. You see, you might be wondering, friend, why do you bring this up every so often in your program? Because, folks, I want you to understand that there is freedom from sin. The woman that was cast at Jesus' feet, caught in the act of adultery, guilty as all get out. And the Lord is so forgiving and loving And then he tells her at the end, go and sin no more. He actually meant what he said. Go and sin no more. Now, does that mean we'll never fail? No, it doesn't. We will fail from time to time. But the Lord would not say, go and sin no more, if that was not possible. Why would God say, go and sin no more, if he knew that you could never stop that sin? That would make him a liar, and he's not a liar. The Lord is able to break free from any sin that binds the sinner. And so when he said, go and sin no more, it's because he has the power to help you to overcome any sin. You see... 2 Chronicles 20, 1-4. You know this verse, but I want to look at it real quick again. It came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them on one side, excuse me, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea, and this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazor, Hazon, Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So here it is. Judah is, they're surrounded Okay, by their enemies. They are trapped in a situation 
they cannot handle. You might be trapped in a sin right now that you can't handle. Maybe you're trapped into some type of uh, persecution or some type of somebody's doing something wrong against you that you can't handle. And you're right here in the same situation. And so Jehoshaphat, he feared, and out of his fear, he did the one thing that he knew to do. He said he set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So he, he goes out there. He tells them, look, and folks, we need to declare a solemn assembly. We're going to get together, and we are going to fast, and we're going to pray, and we are going to seek the Lord. Now, folks, I've talked about the solemn assembly. I believe it. We've got it on some other shows. I don't remember right off the hand. It's, it's a great – we need to come back to that. But this applies also to the individual. Then Jehoshaphat had stood up in, in verse 4. He prayed a, a powerful prayer in front of the children of Judah in hopes that the God of the universe would answer from heaven. Picking up in verse 13, listen to what it says. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, and the son of Asaph, and the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Did you hear what he said? The battle is not yours. It is Yahweh's battle. It is the Almighty's battle. You see, folks, the sin that you're facing, the problem, that, and, and the sin is the same. You're surrounded by your enemies. This is oppression. You've opened up the door, and now the devil has come in. Maybe he's brought some friends, or the hordes of hell, they're attacking you from every direction. You've lost your job. You don't have the money to make rent. Everything's going wrong. You've been a disaster yourself, full of hypocrisy and everything else. You're surrounded by enemies, and God's saying, hey, listen, this battle is not yours not yours it's mine and you've got to give it up to the lord you've got to give it up to the lord verse 16 it says tomorrow go ye down against them behold they come up by the cliffs of ziz and ye shall find them in the end of the brook before the wilderness of jeruel ye shall not need to fight in this battle set yourselves stand ye still and See the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. God says, listen, I've got this battle. You need to cry out and seek the Lord and then stand by and see his salvation. You see, folks, sometimes when we seek the Lord and we cry out and we pray, we want instant deliverance, and the moment it absolutely happens. But we've got to wait. God's got a timing plan. Sometimes it's instantly. Sometimes it comes a little bit. But we need to sit by and be patient and wait for his deliverance. You see that sin you've been struggling with for years? I don't care if you've been struggling for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. God is able to overcome. This day, tonight, whenever you're listening to this program, this is a time when we start handling things differently. 
We start believing. We start fasting and praying, and we begin to cry out to God. Did God love Jehoshaphat more than he loves us? Was Jehoshaphat somehow more of a child of God than us? The answer is no. Listen, let's read verse 3 and 4 one more time. And Jehoshaphat feared. Are you fearful? Are you afraid right now? Are you sick and tired of what's been going on? It says he set himself to seek the Lord. Folks, it's time to get on our knees. To seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast through all Judah, and they gathered themselves together and to ask the help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. He's like, listen, all hands on. We're going all in on this. Everybody. Folks, there comes a point in time when you've got to say, you know what? I can't overcome, but I'm going all in with God on this one. I don't see the victory right now. All I see is the enemy, but I'm going all in. Jehoshaphat was in over his head. But instead of sitting around and doing nothing about it and moping that he could never overcome because his popcorn prayers that were only like a second here and a little bit of Bible study and no honest and earnest seeking God and being upset that he wasn't delivered. No, he went all in, and it's time for us to do the same thing. The church of the Most High, the remnant believers, many times it's no different even within, within us. We're in the same situation as Jehoshaphat. We're up against a spiritual battle like we've never seen. Folks, this year at times, my wife literally was concerned I was going to die from heart attack. It was so stressful on us. It was so tough. But God was faithful through it all. We're in the same spiritual battle like we have never seen before. This is the darkest age that the earth has ever lived in. And why I say that? I don't care what kind of house you have right now. The filth that is being delivered through the televisions, the telephones, the radios, the, the computers is the absolute must, most disgusting vilest stuff in the history of this world and it is being gobbled up by believers all over and God's ready to start breaking the chains you see prayer and fasting is a secret weapon folks it's a weapon that allows us to empty ourselves and allow God to step in and fill us with his spirit not only will your life change but others will around you See, I want to challenge you tonight, tomorrow, today, whenever you're listening to this. It's time from this moment. I don't care how many times you've broken your promises, you've messed up with God, you've done everything wrong, you think that you can never be freed from this sin. I want you to say to yourself right now, God, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. I'm sick and tired of this bondage. I want free from it. I want to be a new creation I want you to set me free, and Lord, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. And you are going to step back and let God start fighting the battle for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all things shall be added unto you. It doesn't say fight your sin head on. You fight your sin by seeking the Lord with all of your heart. That's the key to freedom. You see, Isaiah 58... 
just blows my mind with the power that is in this absolute scripture. Promise in Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? Have you felt like those bands are, are tied around you? To undo the heavy burden? Have you felt like you've got a burden that you can't bear? And to let the oppressed go free? And that you break every yoke? Did you hear that? God's saying, isn't the fast that I've chosen? Because the one I've chosen is here to loosen the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, and let the oppressed go free, and break every yoke. Not one or two. Every yoke, meaning any sin that so easily besets you, the Lord has a promise on how it can be broken. This is what he says to do. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him, and that thou hidest not thyself from thine own flesh? When thou, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer, and thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am, and if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke and the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, stop backstabbing and talking about everybody else's problems. Deal with ourselves. And if thou draw out the, thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, what he's saying is if you will allow hunger, fast, come back into your body and now begin to feed that hunger that's within your spirit. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday, and the Lord shall be thy guide, shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought. Do you feel like you're dry in your life? God said, I've got rain to satisfy you in your drought. Water that you can drink that you'll never thirst again, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like the watered gardens, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not that's the power of my god is that the one that you're serving because if that's the god that you're serving i'm here to tell you folks you can overcome and break those chains that are binding you the same sin that you keep repenting of because you keep repeating can stop the cycle it can change the lives and it can change lives of others. I know. Because I've seen it happen. I am a product of what happens when parents begin to seek the Lord with all their heart for their children. My father sought the Lord with all his heart. And he began to repent for the things that he had sent, passed down to his children, or into his son. The Bible says, I'll pass the sins of the father on to the son, to the third and fourth generation. My grandfather did the same things that my father did. Did the same things that I did. Neither one raised the other. My fa grandfather left when my dad was seven years old. My father left when I was in kindergarten. Yet he still loved me and I was still in contact. But all were in sin and I followed the exact same path. 
until the day that God broke the curse on my family. And through the years, whenever I've gotten in a bit of a jam or have had some problems, I remember these promises that God has shared about prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. And I've seen His faithfulness. One night, my wife's, we were, I was just converted. Imagine one day you got this raving, adulterous drug addict to the next day you've got somebody on fire so so zealous that you can't even contain him that was me i was out of, i was so on fire i mean it was unbelievable and my wife's in a whirlwind what is going on here and i'm just spewing out z- billions of pieces of knowledge in a in a millisecond here because i don't know how to have any balance yet because i'm such a new believer i i'm just spitting out everything and regurgitating it as fast as i can take it in because i, I just want to share it so deeply and my wife she's confused she doesn't know some of the things i'm saying and so she calls her dad and her dad and i had some differencing on opinions on a particular topic that was very crucial to our family and I knew that this could be a divider between me and my wife. The Lord had just worked a miracle. He'd saved my marriage, saved everything. But now this could be my wife's going to listen to her father over me. And I remember she got on the phone to call and ask her dad and to say some things to him that I had shared to see what his opinion, I knew they were different than mine, and I didn't know what to do, so I did the only thing I knew to do. I went into that back room, and I began to weep, and I went on to my knees, and I cried with every ounce that I had, and I interceded on my knees for 45 minutes to an hour. I wept nonstop, and I begged God to intervene into this conversation a conversation that I knew was going to turn my family back upside down. And I wept so hard with every ounce of my inner being. And at the end of that 45 minutes, my wife, to an hour, hung up the phone. And she came back. She said, well, my dad agreed with about everything you said. And I couldn't believe the power of God to change that situation. Because I had sought him. With all of my heart. Folks, that's what God's looking for in this hour. It's not that fasting is magic. Fasting is going to demand God's uh, response. It's not that fasting is going to, is, is your deliverance. What fasting does, it says to God that, Lord, I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm powerless without you. I'm going to lay it out, Lord, because I need you. It's the way we humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I have to have more than the food of this earth. I must have bread from heaven. I must have spiritual manna because I'm dying down here in this world and I need you. And I'm telling you, when God sees the faithful prayers, when God sees the faithful prayers, of even those who are entrenched in sin. You think God can't deliver? Did you ever see the forgiveness he gave to Manasseh, arguably the most wickedest king? Ahab, 
who then again even turned once again from the Lord? And you're telling me that God can't forgive you? Read about King Manasseh. He was as wicked as I've ever seen it. And yet when he cried to the Lord, which one of you parents, if you saw your child broken and weeping from the bottom of their heart, to forgive them, wouldn't you forgive them? And your, your, your motives aren't even pure. And yet God's are. How is the worst of sinners you've ever could imagine? For those of you who've heard my testimony, that's just a smidget of what I actually did wrong. I'm never going to share that on the radio. I don't ever want some people to know some of my past because it's shameful. But I don't have to worry because I've been forgiven. I've been delivered. And I serve a powerful God that's able to wipe the slate clean. And even though I've been through some trying times and I've made some huge mistakes, He's always faithful and just to forgive and deliver and overcome. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with, brother and sister, but I'm here to tell you that God cares. He loves you. He died for you while you were a sinner. And just because you've messed up doesn't mean he hates you. He died for you while you were in sin, and he's here while you are a sinner, and he's asking for you to trust him one more time to overcome because he's able and he's faithful. Won't you come home tonight? Whatever it is that's causing you to stumble, put it away. Get in your prayer closet. Start praying. Start journaling. Write down your prayers, your thoughts. You'll be amazed what the God will reveal to you. Start seeking Him and begin to fast, telling you, based on the very Word of God, that He can break every yoke. This is Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying, I love you all praying tonight that God will deliver. Let's just pray, Father, in Yeshua's name. Lord, you know all the sins I have committed in my life. The things that I've done wrong to offend you, Lord, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my hypocrisy. I'm sorry for my vanity. I'm sorry for the times when I loved the praise of men, Lord. And I'm asking that you'd forgive me and purify me. For this audience, Lord, that are struggling right now. 
Lord, you know the bondage and the, and the, and the things of this world that are struggling, making people struggle and, and causing them to stumble. Lord, I pray in the name of Yeshua right now that you would break these chains, Lord, that are binding people together. And Lord, whatever is hindering people from this show that are listening right now from praying, I pray that you would t- remove this obstacle out of the way in the name of Yeshua, Lord, and that you would be able to restore them back to a life of prayer and fasting and to seek your face with all of their hearts. Lord, I thank you for the power of deliverance. And I pray everybody will take it seriously. This is the hour that you need to seek the Lord like we've never sought him before. In Yeshua's powerful name, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Good night and shalom.